Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. I Dare You by Thurza M. Lee When my brother Nat started daring me last Friday, I didn't know that I was heading for big adventure. We don't go in for daring each other much at our house. Mom and Dad sort of discourage it. But there was nothing to do Friday afternoon. It was just too hot. Suddenly, from the blanket he had spread on the back lawn, Nat drawled sleepily, Dare you to jump across the fish pool? As I said, our folks really discouraged this type of thing, but I didn't mind about a little thing like jumping the fish pool. When I landed triumphantly on the other side, just barely missing Mom's special Japanese irises, I grinned wickedly at Nat. Ah, sis, he wailed. I was all set to hear a splash. Dare you to walk the porch rail? But Mom said if I do it one more time, I began. Nat interrupted in a mocking whisper. Mom said, Mom said, I know what she said, but I also happen to know that at this moment she's sound asleep in her hammock on the patio. And that was how I came to have my big adventure. Not a pleasant adventure, but quite educational. Mom always says I get into these mix-ups because I don't stop to think. And Dad says a head was wasted on me because I never seemed to use it. So when Nat eventually dared me to ride Old Mike alone on the backside of Badger Mountain, I didn't stop to think if it was sensible or not. I just yelled, Ha! defiantly, and tore off to the barn. All I took with me was my cowboy hat, my sombrero, I called it, because a girl needs a proper hat for riding, even if the horse is an old nag like Mike. I don't think either Nat or I ever really understood why we were absolutely forbidden to ride on the far side of Badger Mountain. Dad always talked about the dangers, all that loose rock and shale from the slides, and the fact that there were no trails or fences or definite landmarks to keep us from getting lost. But we never took his warnings too seriously. I guess teenagers are like that sometimes. We have to bang our heads against a rock wall before we believe it's there. I did understand, though, about some other rules I was breaking, like going off alone without telling the folks where I was going. As it turned out, there was nothing so tough or terrifying about riding up Badger Mountain. I didn't see any snakes, and old Mike didn't stumble on the shale or cause a landslide. And all the time I had a clear picture in my head of the way I had come and how to find my way back. The only trouble was that I was hot and dry and thirsty, just as I had been on the lawn at home, only more so. There was nothing to make me afraid or even make me feel guilty about what I was doing. Dad says sometimes Satan tricks us like that. Satan makes us think we're being awfully smart when really we're just acting like plain old-fashioned fools. So I was riding along, singing a rousing song, when in a flash it happened. A little brown rabbit jumped from a clump of sagebrush and went hopping out right under old Mike's nose. He snorted in surprise and jumped higher than he had jumped for many years. I flew through the air and landed abruptly and painfully on a heap of jagged shale. Suddenly everything was chaos and blinding pain. For what seemed a long time I didn't think at all. Mom would have said it was too late to start anyway. I was simply enveloped in pain and shock and surprise. Then I began to realize vaguely that Mike had gone and I was alone, and that somewhere I hurt as I had never hurt before. Where was I hurt? I tried to corral my senses and take stock. 
My leg was surely the source of that terrible grinding pain. I was sprawled face down, sort of hanging over the pile of rocks. Every time I tried to move, sharp knives darted up my leg. My cheek and both arms were cut, too, but these were smaller hurts, the kind I could take hold of and manage, but the pain in my leg was much bigger than anything I could handle. I kept wiggling and turning as much as I could, and at last I caught sight of my other half, those long legs that so often led me into trouble. I could see at a glance that my right leg was broken. It was swollen and purplish with a sharp hump on one side that I knew must be the end of a bone. My head swam dizzily again, and I felt sick and absolutely terrified. Then suddenly all the things that I should have thought about before began pounding into my head. I realized I was utterly alone and very far from home. Nobody knew where I was. Well, Nat more or less knew, of course, but he wouldn't tell for fear of incriminating himself. Mom and Dad wouldn't even know I was in trouble until nighttime. I was badly hurt and lying unprotected underneath a blazing sun. I was in trouble, and I knew it. Never before had I felt so terrifyingly alone and completely helpless. I wasn't used to feeling helpless, for I always considered myself pretty capable of managing on my own. That was one reason I had never been too keen on religion. When you're fourteen and pretty smart, who needs any help from God? So here I was, alone and bashed on the rocks on the far side of Badger Mountain. I suppose, according to my folks, God was out there somewhere too, but I couldn't quite see how it was going to help me any. I wanted to think that if God was as good and kind as my parents said he was, then he wouldn't have let me get into this fix anyway. But I knew a good deal better than that. So finally I began to do some straight thinking. I knew I had only myself to blame for the mess I was in. If only I had some water and some shade. Suddenly I spied my hat perched jauntily, almost teasingly, on top of a small rock nearby. Could I reach it? Well, I could try. I reached and stretched with all my might. I'm sure I grew an inch, but it was still tormentingly just beyond my fingertips. Finally, I speared it with a sharp stick. With my wide hat covering my head and neck, I felt a little better. Not much better, though. I was thinking and puzzling as hard as I could in between groaning and the awful pain, feeling wretched from the heat and dryness, and then somehow I was doing more than thinking. God had taken a hand in the situation— and I knew I was praying. I didn't even think I believed in praying, or in God for that matter, and here I was really praying. And you know, it wasn't hard at all, and it didn't make me feel like a sissy or anything. It was sort of like talking over my problems, my weaknesses, I guess, with Mom and Dad, when they're being real understanding, or with the school counselor. And I started to feel a lot better. Inside, I mean. The outside parts of me were still pretty sore. Maybe it was because I was seeing things a little clearer, or maybe it was because I sort of had God on my team now. Anyway, I could see a small ray of hope. Just a few feet in front of me was a huge rock shoulder that stood out like a shelf. Beneath it, there was an inviting, cool-looking patch of black shade. There I had to drag myself, I knew. Crawling those few short feet was the hardest thing I had ever tried. Every little move I made started more jabbing pains in my smashed leg, and I kind of passed out with each short drag I made, but it was getting me closer to that shade. 
I don't even remember crawling the last few inches or pulling myself under the rocky overhang. But I must have done it before I passed out completely because that's where Dad and Nat found me just before dark. Old Mike to the rescue, wouldn't you know? He had strolled home in his thoughtful way without me, and Nat, being fairly bright for a boy, knew at once that I must have been ditched somewhere out on Badger Mountain. I guess Nat's conscience pricked him pretty hard for a while. He seemed to feel worse than I did because he thought it was mostly his fault. Anyway, he kept telling me how they brought me home, how they made a stretcher out of two small trees and their jackets, and how he came home for a flashlight because it got too dark to see their way down off the mountain. It must have been exciting just like the stuff you read in books, and to think I missed all the fun. But if I'd been conscious, I probably would have screeched every time they moved me. Maybe that's an example of Dad's pet saying, All things work together for good if we trust God. My dad and mom have a whole host of these helpful sayings that they shoot at Nat and me to help keep us going straight. Anyway, I'm going to have a lot of free time for thinking for a long time to come. All of this stuff I'm writing for my bed in the hospital. Nat fixed up a snazzy bed desk for me so I can write and read. I have to lie flat on my back for what seems like forever. My poor banged-up leg is in traction to pull it back into shape again. The doctor tells me I'll be as good as new in a few months. A few months! It seems to me a kid can do a lot of thinking, and likely a lot of praying, too, in a few months. I'm sure glad I learned how. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.